0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. There's an old Cheers episode where Carla, the waitress, is speaking to Sam, her boss in the bar, about her faith. She's telling him about a particular serious sin that she has committed. She's gone to confession, and she's been given some acts of contrition, which she's struggling to complete. Sam tells her that it all sounds a little extreme, Carla turns to him and says, hey, it's not a religion for wimps. (laughs) Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is that season in our year where we are reminded that Christianity is indeed not a religion for wimps. Lent is a 40-day journey. It is a marathon, not a sprint. We gird our loins and we commit to opening the door of our heart gathering the courage to look in the eye whatever we might find there and offering it up to Jesus for healing and forgiveness. This is something that the church has done for millennia and it's modeled for us by Jesus himself. The gospel reading for the first Sunday of Lent is always the temptation of Jesus. But to really enter into today's passage, we need to back up a few verses. Jesus has just been baptized by John. During his baptism, the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And God says, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And the very next line is the first line from our passage for today. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. As soon as the heavens proclaim him the beloved son, he is spirited off to be tested. I wonder if Jesus knew he was being led into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. I wonder if the Holy Spirit warned him about what was coming. I like to think that Jesus knew. I like to think that he spent his 40 days and nights of fasting preparing for the devil, almost like an athlete training for a big event. I picture a locker room bulletin board with all the devil's trash talk posted for inspiration. I picture daily training sessions of prayer where Jesus immerses himself in God's will. I hear the music from Rocky playing in the background and Jesus downs bottled water, squirting it all over his face and his body. I like to think he had a calendar with a big red X on it and that on the 39th day he was chomping at the bit. He knows he is prepared in peak form and ready for the challenge. After 40 days and nights, Jesus is famished, but he's also spiritually focused. And so the game is on. The devil shows up and tempts hungry Jesus to turn stones into bread. Jesus quickly counters with Scripture. The devil says, oh, you want to play the scripture quoting game? I'll give you some scripture. And he dares Jesus to pull a spectacular stunt saying, it is written on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. This would be a good time for us to remember that even the devil knows scripture and he can use it for his own purposes. But Jesus defers again. Finally, the devil promises to give Jesus power over all the kingdoms of the world if only Jesus will worship him. Almost as if he's flatting away a spy, a a fly, Jesus says, away with you, Satan, and the devil leaves him. It's important that we realize that we are not dealing with a cartoon character here. This is not the devil that we see on the Underwood deviled ham package. This is not a horned creature with a fiendish face that smells of sulfur. The devil is much more subtle than that. The temptations here are to do good, not evil. In a world of hunger, is it not a good thing to use our gifts and powers to provide bread? In a world of diminishing faith, is it not a good thing to do something spectacular, to catch the world's attention so that they might believe? In a world of self-serving avarice and greed, is it not a good thing to acquire power so that it might be used to improve lives rather than harm them? The temptation wasn't for Jesus to go join the Crips or start cooking meth. The temptation was for Jesus to trust his own power and abilities instead of trusting God. Jesus resists the temptation to use God's power and gifts to further his own privilege and position, even in the name of good. Jesus refuses to allow the devil to create any separation between him and God. He emerges from his test purified and strengthened for the ministry that awaits him. Compare that with our first reading today. The tempter, this time in the guise of a serpent, invites Adam and Eve to distrust God. He calls into question God's trustworthiness by suggesting that there is more to the story of this tree in the middle of the garden than God has let on. God has provided all that they need. That Adam and Eve are tempted to become godlike themselves. They are tempted to become self sufficient, to establish their own identity apart from God. They allow the serpent to create distance between themselves and God, and they fall into sin. Jesus was able to withstand the tempter because he remembered and trusted his baptism. He remembered that God looked down and blessed him, saying, This is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. The devil is clever. He goes right for Jesus' identity. He begins his temptation saying, If you are the son of God. He hopes to make Jesus doubt God's word at his baptism, that he is beloved, that he is God's child. If Jesus is unsure that he's beloved of God, he will be inclined to force God's hand to provide for him and to protect him. He fights the desire to prove himself, to justify himself, to do that that appears good but is not obedient to God's will. He must fight the devil's attempt to convince him that beloved is something you prove, and not something that you are. Jesus remains dependent on God. Jesus is assured of who he is by remembering whose he is. Similarly, our devil doesn't show up with horns and a pitchfork. Our devil shows up in the guise of money or power, an easier way that is a bit shady. Subtly betraying another to get what we want. Rationalizing to ourselves why it's okay to be sharing ourselves with someone who isn't our spouse. To spend money we don't have on things we don't need. To cocoon ourselves before a TV or computer screen to avoid being present and available to the people in our lives. Our devil tempts us with self sufficiency encouraging us to believe that our lives are to be about relying on ourselves instead of trusting in God. It would be easier if our devil appeared more obviously evil. But he just doesn't operate that way. Beginning today and continuing throughout Lent, we will be offering a sermon series titled Reorder the Disorder We're committing ourselves as a congregation to looking honestly into our hearts and our lives and naming those places where we've allowed space to grow between ourselves and God. Where in our tendency towards self-sufficiency, we're all about our priorities instead of God's priorities. Even as we try and dress these up as working for the good. We're inviting you to be intentional About organizing your life based on your commitment to God and your desire that His will be reflected in you. And because changing the direction of our lives, changing our priorities is hard, we're gonna help you with some tools. In addition to this sermon series, which we pray will be a catalyst for an honest look at what your time and resources say about your priorities. We're offering a daily podcast as a Lenten spiritual discipline. The clergy of St. Michael have recorded an episode for each day of Lent. This podcast is accessible through the St. Michael website or through our app. It is a brief 10 minute devotional that includes prayer, scripture, and a brief reflection. We hope that you will commit to spending this time with God each day and inviting him to show you how to reorder your lives such that relationship with him is your first priority and the ground from which all your other priorities flow. We are not a spiritual super athlete like Jesus, but that is what we want to be. We want to be able to say, away with you, Satan, from a place of spiritual strength. This is what we train for in Lent when we intentionally commit ourselves to deepening our relationship with God. We enter our wilderness, and we limit our distractions. We engage the dark places of our lives that we may come face to face with them, name them, understand them, and then offer them up for healing and forgiveness. In our Lenten journey, we pull back additional layers of ourselves, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable to God and letting him love us right there in our vulnerability. This is how we build our trust, the trust that allows us to rely on God when Satan shows up with tests for us. Over and over, in order to live a life that chooses God, we must face the choice of acting outside of God. Indeed, this is not a religion for wimps. As we begin this journey, this marathon of Lent, let us invite God to help us become stronger spiritual athletes. Let us ask him to strengthen our trust in him so that we might be prepared for the tests that we will face. And when those inevitable tests and temptations come, let us close our eyes and remember whose we are, listening for God's voice descending upon us like a dove, saying, this is my child, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Amen.